I'm Trent Alexander-Arnold. I'm Curtis Jones. I am Cody Gagbo. Putting on the Liverpool top for the first time, it was a dream come true and I'll never forget that moment. Pre-order the new LFC 24-25 season Nike home kit now. You can pre-order it today for delivery from the 16th of May at your official LFC stores. Online at liverpoolfc.com forward slash store and on the official LFC store app. You will never walk alone. Welcome to a Copback Podcast special. Uh, Jay Pearson with you, and as usual, Mick is alongside me. Uh, today we've got a very special guest joining us. Uh, he's a former Dutch international, signed by Rafa Benitez in July 2005. He went on to win the 2005 Super Cup, the 2007 Community Shield, and was an integral part of the side that went to the Champions League final in Athens. He won league titles in Holland and Spain with PSV and Barcelona, respectively, among other accolades. He played for seven different teams in four different countries in a spelling 18 year professional career. We are absolutely delighted to welcome Bolo's ending. Bolo, thank you very much for joining us today. Hey. How you doing, lads? Not too bad. Good, good, good. Thank how you. How are you, for us. you finding it at home? Oh, it's one of those, isn't it? At the minute, everyone's struggling, but we're all happy and healthy. And I've got a little two-year-old boy who's keeping me busy. What about yourself? I'm sure he keeps you busy. You've got two boys, uh, five and eight. Yeah. Yep, they keep me busy. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't got any kids, so I'm just kind of working from home. But it's just maybe you've got someone else to keep you busy. <laughs> he has. He has. I have. <laughs> Only joking, joking, joking. <laughs> Spolo, basically, just wanted to crack on with how your move to Liverpool came about. Obviously, yes. you were at Middlesbrough at the time. You won uh, Player of the Year in two thousand in two thousand and five. At that time. Um, was there a whole host of clubs interested in getting your signature or was it obviously just the, the, the chat with Rafa? Did that seal a deal? Um, I had a, um, a two-year, well, I had a one-year deal with Middlesbrough. Um, and how did that happen is um, I, I moved first on a season loan from Chelsea to Middlesbrough. And uh, they wanted to make it a permanent stay. And I said, okay, uh, I'll do that, but I'll only sign for a year. So I've signed for a year. And of course, at Middlesbrough, they weren't happy with me signing for just a year because it meant that I could leave the club on a free. Um, yeah. But towards the end, um, uh, of course, there was a lot of interest. And I already had con- uh, uh, contact with um, Luis Garcia. You remember the one who yeah. was Sangria? Yeah. <laughs> uh, of course. He, um, I played with him in Barcelona uh, yeah. when he came yeah. through the ranks and um, uh, obviously he, he left and, and, and made his career and um, uh, he, he was the first one to contact me about the interest of Liverpool um, before I even spoke to Rafa because uh, I know Rafa now for quite some time and I know how he works uh, but before he, um, he starts negotiating he wants to know obviously if, if a player is interested or not. Uh, through different channels. So I spoke to Lewis about a possible move and um, then I started to chat with Rafa. So I've, I already knew about the interest before Liverpool took on Milan in, um, in, the, in that famous game where they uh, were 3-0 down at halftime and 3-3 and then still won it, uh, the Istanbul one. Um, so I was watching that game in a different way than yeah, yeah. Some, other, some other did. Um, so that was the first contact and um, then over the summer after obviously Liverpool won the Champions League, um, the, the, the deal was done um, and Middlesbrough wasn't too happy of course with me signing for one year. Uh, as you said, I, I was chosen as a player of the year by the fans and yeah. well, I, I, I always had the, the, the fire in me to use uh, well, not 
not misuse, but uh, use uh, Middlesbrough as um, a way of getting uh, the regular football and show myself most yeah. capable of. of for me, the fact that Liverpool came along was also a, um, um, I was going to say, it, it, it paid off two, two things. One, um, the work I've put into it to, to get back where I wanted to be. And second of all, by signing a one-year deal, uh, I put myself on the line because if I did get injured, then I didn't have anything. Uh, and that was the funny bit uh, from, um, from Steve McLaren. When I left, I received a letter from him uh, thanking me for everything I've done for the club, for him, for the team. Um, and they appreciated that. And even the board, they said um, that in a way they wish they could give every player just a one-year deal because then they knew they would put in uh, the best effort to, um, to obviously um, uh, earn, earn the right of a new deal. And I believe in that year I played 48 games. Uh, and only missed one. Wow. And, then, and, that, and that, that's when I made the move to Liverpool. And because you, you won the League Cup at, at Middlesbrough, hadn't you? And it was, it yeah. was at the time, it was, it was their only trophy. Oh, it's still their only trophy, isn't it? it? Still is, yeah. It was the first one in 125 years. I think we're 20 years on, so it was still the, the only one in, in the history of what is it, 140, 45 years or something. I don't know. But, uh, but uh, yeah, and also don't forget. Uh, with with the team we had and with the, uh, McLaren as a manager, uh, we managed to play in Europe. Uh, we got to the um, last 16, and then I moved to Liverpool. And obviously, we'll talk about that in a minute. But the year I left, uh, we did set um, we we did put something down at Middlesbrough because then they played the UEFA Cup final against Seville in in Eindhoven, which which they lost, but um, just to say that it was a totally different era for Middlesbrough. Yeah, and obviously, Bro, you, you touched on obviously the Lewis Garcia trying to get some insight from you before, beforehand. But in the actual dealings with Rafa over your time, obviously, you worked under him and you worked with him at a later stage with Chelsea. Um, he's always pictured as this like cold character, and I think. Cool. I think that yeah, like Stephen yeah. Gerrard's talked about it, where yeah. he's he's talked talked about feeling unloved and wasn't sure yeah. how he, he, he was going to go about playing under him. What did you make of him? Obviously, you, you, were, obviously you, you worked with him and you worked on yeah. him. What did you make of his, of, his, of his tactics and the way he went about doing things? Um, the, 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 I've, I've, I've uh, worked with him and I've worked under him, well, um, as a player and as an assistant yeah. manager. Of course, if you're an assistant manager, you get even more insight in yeah. how things are run. Um, all I can say is that um, uh, Rafa Benitez is a manager who's, got, uh, who's always got a tactical plan. Uh, he sets his team out uh, like you would guess every manager does to win the game. But um, he does it also in a certain way where he's not, uh, uh, he's not looking at individuals as... Um, He's looking more at a, a physical state, uh, maybe a mental state, but also um, tactic-wise, what suits best for that game. And it doesn't matter if someone is a high-profile player or not. Or it, it, it just comes up with something that he thinks uh, will win him the game. And if it, if, it, if it means that he has to make an unpopular decision, well, yeah. then he's not bothered. He just makes a decision. And I've seen it again, uh, obviously, later on when, when, uh, when I uh, assisted him at Chelsea. And uh, I can imagine, because I've been there as a player, I've, I've had that same um, feeling at times. I'm thinking, you don't really know what to expect uh, going into the next game. <laughs> you could have a really good game and then still not play the next one. But the one after that, you're playing again. In my case, I remember, I believe I've played everything in Europe and then less in the league. Where other players would play more in the league and less in Europe. It's just uh, just to see what fits the bill. Yeah. And obviously, like you said, he, he, he likes to make decisions that sometimes might not be popular. I was going to ask you about 
Obviously, he plays you on the left of midfield quite a lot. And obviously, when he signed Dirk Kaut, uh from Holland, he moved him to a, a right midfield slot. Obviously, he was a striker back in Holland. Is it, is it decisions like that that obviously he wanted to get the best out of the team? And that's how he that's how he settled his team up against. Obviously, like putting you left and putting Dirk right was that was that a way to st- maybe stifle opponents um, attacking, attacking fullbacks and so forth or? Yeah, as I say, sometimes he made that decision. I think the the most um, um, the decision he made that stands out most for me was maybe uh, you guys remember when we played Barcelona. Um, uh, Messi was already there, and Messi was playing as a right winger, and you Mm -hmm. know he was always coming in on his left. And uh, when we confronted them, uh, we had our Spanish uh, right back, Arbeloa. Yeah. He played him. He played him left back. And we're thinking, I mean, why? Why would you put a right back on the left, where you know that Arbeloa is is also a threat on the right, coming on and and having a cross, but he put him on the left. And um, quite frankly, of course, Messi. Now is a totally different player than when he, what he was back then, but um, that was one of the, the the key factors to eliminate the danger from Messi, and it worked out fine. So that was one of his decisions as well. Yeah, it's yeah. tactical genius, really, when you think about it that way. Because, like you said, with, with Messi coming on the left, you've got a naturally right-footed player coming inside, and he's comfortable. So, yeah, you, you spot on things like that we don't see, isn't it? And it's uh, mm-hmm. incredible. Um, what I wanted to ask Paul was when you were signing for Liverpool and you were coming into the into this team that had just won the Champions League, you know, you've got the likes of uh, Didier Aman, Steven Gerrard, Xabi Alonso in the middle. Because I've I've felt like you've always been com- comfortable as a central midfield player. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. If that's if that is that your favourite position? Was that what Rafa was saying that that's where you'd be playing, or was you be sort of in 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 the number ten role? Um. Uh... That's a that's a difficult one because um, so, sometimes during your career um, it is easier when you have one fixed position. So if you're just a number nine <clears throat> or just a number seven or whatever you want to call it, then that's that. Uh, I was a versatile player. I could play basically anywhere. Uh, left wing, left midfield in a four four two, left in the middle maybe as a 10. I've played left-back as well for the Netherlands and for Barcelona. So it gives your manager more options, but at the same time, uh, it doesn't give you a fixed um, position within the squad. Uh, You're always there to fill a gap. Uh, And and that can work for you, but also against you. So then if you ask me, what's your best position? Um, I I know uh, that I could do anything let's say any any sort of position as a left back left mid left outside or number 10 um but if i did play from the left as a midfielder i would like to join in uh, and come a bit more in the 10 position but it also depends on who you're playing with or who's next to you uh as i said if you got stevie g on your right just bombing on and having a shot then probably you'd stick a bit longer at Middlebride, I had George Boateng next to me, and the role was different. Where I was always the one going forward. So yeah. It all depends on your, on, on your tactics, on your system, on your setup, and also on your teammates. Yeah, of course. And when you're signing for Liverpool, and you've got the likes of Jamie Carragher and Stephen Gerrard, who obviously uh, Liverpool legends, even at that time, they, they, they were legendary players already. Was that another part of that attracted you to play with, with the likes of, of Stephen Gerrard and Jamie Carragher? course I mean they're, they're household names in the game uh, they've done so many great things for the club um, and and in general anytime you sign for a big team you're there to play with big players mm-hmm. uh, and, and funny enough um, I had the same at Barca when someone's asking you and saying um, how is it you know when you play with the likes of Figo, Rivaldo or whatever I'm thinking well yeah, it's special, but at the same time, you're there as well for well, a reason. Say that. A reason so, so, so we're just there in the same position, and um, yeah. it, it's um, 
it's you're there for a reason and, and you're there to um together to do a, to do a great job and to make um uh the the, the city and the fans proud and defend the colors the best you can and uh, of course um there's players that um can make a difference yeah absolutely so when you um you signed for Liverpool you played in the super cup and you're picking up trophies quite early in your, in your Liverpool career um you know within a couple of months it's quite quite special picking up the super cup i know the 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 competition's getting more recognised as a as an official, you know, proper competition every year. But obviously, back then, it's still it's a trophy at the end of the day. It's a European it trophy. Yeah, it is. Um, we played uh, in Monaco against CSKA Moscow, and uh, Gibril Sisse, another friend of mine that I still have contact with, he um, he he scored two goals yeah. in the game and uh, got man of the match. And mm-hmm. um, it um, it's 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 a good memory. Uh, the only thing I always found is that. In Monaco, the, the, it, it's not as attractive because of the um, the running track around the, the the pitch, but also the pitch is rock hard. It's solid, um, and I've played there later on when I was um, playing for Marseille, and I never really enjoyed the the, uh, the stadium and the occasion. But um, uh, when you when you win a trophy, it doesn't matter. Yeah, of course. Um, Obviously, like you said, you pick up that trophy, you, you're flying at your Liverpool career, and then unfortunately, you pick up an injury mm-hmm. the first couple of months. And I mean, don't get me wrong, Paul, when I was devastated for you because when you'd signed for Liverpool at the time of where the club was, yes, we just won the Champions League, but there were still certain elements we were quite far behind in terms of getting to the league title. And signing a player of, of your stature was, was brilliant for us as, as a fan base because we get getting a a legendary player like yourself how bad was it and did it affect you mentally getting that uh, injury so so early in your career yeah. um uh, i remember that um i got injured in a in a champions league game against better seville that's right uh, it was a clumsy a clumsy thing with a uh, with the fullback trying to to bomb on and i just tried to uh, touched the ball out of play and he hit me on the knee and I felt something weird but it was still 10 minutes to go so I finished the game but it didn't feel right yeah so after the game I went to the doctor and I said doc I'm not sure but it, my knee just felt weird so he checked it and I said okay well we'll have to do a t- test uh, uh, in the hospital the day after which we did and he said um, well it's a possible crucial ligament I'm thinking no chance I've seen that before, you know, when people do the, the cruciates, they're screaming and they're on the floor and they can't do anything anymore. They get the oxygen and they're off. So I trained for another two weeks by myself to see if I could solve the problem with, um, you know, uh, training your muscles and, and try to see if that would solve it. But it still didn't feel right. And I went to the Netherlands to get a second opinion. Mm. And the doctor in the Netherlands said exactly the same. He said, listen, your crucial ligament is gone. You have to get it fixed. Um, and the hardest thing was then, um, as you said, uh, obviously you're just new in the club. You had a few mo- good months. Uh, you won your first uh, trophies. And the thing I was really looking forward to was um, the, um, the, um, the World Cup in Japan. Of the club teams. Yeah. So literally on the day Liverpool flew to Japan, which is east, I flew west to the States to get my knee surgery done. And, and that was really a tough time for me, to be honest. Um, but as you say in England, uh, take it on the chin. I mean, I'm not going to change the situation. So I did <clears throat> and uh, had the operation done, came back and started my recovery. Um, uh, I, I trained six days a week at Melwood. Um, and already back then, they had a big um, uh, glass window from the gym looking onto the training pitch. And I was there day in, day out, watching the guys playing the rondos, the five sides and everything. And and for for one thing, it was nice being with the lads every single day, which meant I was still sort of part of the team and I went to every home game. Um, but at the same time, it was killing every day to see the guys enjoying themselves and working mm-hmm. where I was still working on my fitness. So that was tough, but I had a very quick recovery. And unfortunately, 
the um, the FA Cup final at the end of that season came a little bit too early for me. I was maybe only two weeks away from full recovery where I could play games, but I was already training with the boys. Yeah. Uh, my recovery instead of nine to twelve months, I think I've done it in about six. Um, but still too early, which for me in the end was good because it meant that I could start my second <laughs> season from preseason. Yeah. Have a proper preseason that, that was probably best for my injury anyway, and to uh, step into a game too early. Yeah. So that was basically my first season, yeah. So when you've just touched on it there, obviously coming back so quite, like I said, quite quickly from, from that type of injury. And then going into the preseason, then with you know, a second preseason with sort of, you know, with the squad, but like you just said, a full one to get yourself going. And you, you play the Community Shield and you pick up you pick up another trophy with Liverpool. I think your second season in Liverpool, as you, I think you'll probably admit, was, was, was really good because you were a mainstay of the side and you were vital in getting towards, uh, getting to the Champions League final. And I think, was, you, was your optimism coming back from injury thinking, yeah, I can, I can really, really make, make my claim in this Liverpool side now in this in this second season? Uh, yeah, I felt good. I felt fine. I trained okay and I, I did my bit. Um, the, the only thing that um, happened is, I guess, somewhere in October, literally a year after my surgery, uh, again in a game, I've done my um, exterior meniscus, yeah. which I needed another operation. And that took me out another two months. Uh, and honestly, to be injured that quickly again is never nice. And it was the same knee as well. Yeah. It took me a bit longer than I wanted. Um, but hey, you never give up, do you? It's the only thing you can do. Uh, yeah. So when I was back in the team, uh, back fit again, um, as I mentioned, I, I probably played every single game in uh, in the Champions League, and um, yeah. uh, obviously we're going to touch on on that one in in a minute. Um, but what no one really knew was um, just just before the Champions League final, we went on a um, uh, training camp to 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 get focused on the game, but also to get used to the um, the weather conditions because we played in Athens which yeah. was going to be warm. I think we went to uh, Murcia uh, in, in Spain uh, to train. And literally, I think it was five, six days before the game. Um, in training, I got um, uh, tangled uh, in between Stevie G's legs on, on, on um, I was going to say, clumsy way where um, he came, he came. Uh, in, he, he ran in front of me, and I didn't want to tackle him, but he still fell over. Yeah. And I didn't want to stamp on him. So while while jumping, I put my 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 landing foot in between his legs. Yeah. But because he tumbled and turned, I always say it's like you know when a crocodile has his um has, has his prey, yeah. he, he yeah. starts rolling yeah. over. Well, yeah. my ankle was tangled between his legs while he rolled. So I, I twisted that ankle properly and I had like a massive big tennis ball of fluid in my ankle and I I did shred a few tears then because I thought listen there goes my Champions League final yeah um but here you go again you never give up so I've worked 24 7 to get that ankle going again uh, together with the Spanish physio we had at the time and um well, as I said, 24-7, even, even at night, we worked on it. And um, coming to the game, uh, it, it, it still wasn't 100%, but it was good enough to, to get a start. And so I had an injection in my ankle. Uh, we got it wrapped up properly. And I already knew I wasn't going to finish the game for sure. Mm. But um, I had a good hour. And, uh, and then um, that was also the idea of, um, of, of Rafa in the game to sort of let me do my thing for an hour and then bring on fresh blood with Harry Kuehl and, and see if he could make a difference. Yeah. Well, before we get into the, the game just a little bit deeper in your feelings of playing in the European Cup final, I want to bring you back to the new Camp 
Um, obviously, we, we, we touched on it earlier. Um, and it was a monumental game for Liverpool because it, an English team winning in the U, in the new Camber just doesn't happen. No. Um, but obviously, there was uh, a lot of stuff going on before the game in terms of the press with uh, with um, the, the training camp of Bellamy and Risa and all that sort of stuff. Have you uh, have you got any insights into what had gone on uh, with Craig Bellamy and John Hanarisa? Uh, yeah, I do actually. I have a lot. Do I have to spill all the beans? You spill what you want, Paolo. Let it now. This is just between the three of us. Yeah, sure. Well, um, let's put it this way: um, we went on training camp. It was in Portugal uh, yeah. to prepare for that game, and um, um, there's only one evening where we were allowed. I wasn't. I was going to say out, but we were. We organized a, a, a team dinner with yeah. a bit of karaoke. And um, as you probably know, um, when you do that, um, there's always going to be a little bit of a, a drink with it. Yeah. And then all sorts can happen. And that's what happened. <laughs> uh, it, it was a famous <laughs> night, called, to, 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 to say the least. And um, yeah, one other thing is obviously with... Um, with Greg Bellamy and um, and Risa that they had a, a little um, uh, thing going on between them, uh, which um, which wasn't nice, but um, to to cut the show is store uh, the the the, show, uh, the story is short, is in the game I believe it was Risa that gave the cross to Bellamy, yeah. he scored a goal, and obviously he went to the corner and and <coughs> had a, um, a a goal swing. Which yeah. he had a few days earlier on uh, on uh, on John Arne, uh, <laughs> and we knew, but no one knows. <laughs> so that for us was, I mean, it was um, um, how do you say in, in Dutch? We say we put sand on top of it. You know, we bury it, and it's, yeah. it's in the ground. Yeah, absolutely. But, um, yeah, that that was a seriously that was a famous night. Yeah. Um, there's not just one story about that night. I mean, I, I guess I could fill an hour with. Uh, with uh, all sorts of stories, but um, uh, the most important thing is, and you, you you could even tell afterwards that sometimes these kind of things need to happen or happen for a reason, yeah. and it 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 got us um, more together than maybe if all of this wouldn't have happened. And uh, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, you, you 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 put it to a positive, and we won the game. Yeah, it's amazing, isn't it? Like you said, you know, they, they both assisted each other for each of their goals. And you, you're coming off the pitch uh, in, in the new camp, which obviously is a very special place for yourself. Um, and you've got that victory. As a collective, as a group of players, obviously what had happened with, with John Anna and, and Craig a uh, couple of days before winning the new camp, did you guys just feel like we can, we can go all the way in this competition? After, like? Well, if you win against Barca, well, they were the champions. Course, then you think you could go all the way. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's, but as you say, it, 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 during the season, I guess you're not always on top. Um, but the most important thing is that when you're not, you're still winning. Um, when things are not going your way, but you still find a way to win, uh, that, that makes a certain belief grow. Um, and then, of course, Winning in in uh, in and against Barcelona, uh, that gives you even more confidence. Um, what I also tried to say is, for example, I'm now assistant manager at PSV. Yeah, I was there already in the beginning of the season. Um, we didn't have a lot of results, um, and you can tell the players as much as you want that they can do the job and that they are good and whatever, blah blah blah. But the only thing that really gives that confidence is winning games. Um, and, and that's what happened when, when you win games then things are going for you but it's also always much easier for a manager to convince players of your ideas and thoughts when you're winning yeah. uh, I don't say that the manager who wins is always right but it makes the decision making easier as well yeah of course mate absolutely so going after the Barcelona game we've got you know, another 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 knockout tie that was very significant for myself, but I was as a club was the Chelsea game, yeah, semi final. I'm not going to talk about the, the first leg because it was the second leg that was obviously the, the 
the most emotional night. I mean, I still remember the the entire day. It was a gorgeous sunny day. The, I was drinking most of the afternoon. It was you know it was a lovely day. We get, and you get, still remember that? And I still remember it. Yeah, still drinking all day and still <laughs> remember that. Drinking all the orange juice ball. <laughs> what were you drinking back then? I, I saw you drinking something. Um, well, this is a this is just a, a, a Mountain Dew. So. Okay. Keeping the energy up. <laughs> um, but back then it was, yeah, it was, it was the lag, it was everything, you know, it was a, it was a Champions League semi-final again against Chelsea, and obviously we'd had the one a couple of years earlier, which was yeah. so mostly charged, and here we were again playing Chelsea. We'd already played them in the group stage, so it was, it was it, it, the season before, so it was, it was always Liverpool-Chelsea, so yeah. getting into that ground, and it, we knew it was going to be under the lights, and we knew how special this, this game was going to be. Obviously, you played a massive hand in in the game anyway, with with Cop scoring one of the penalty and uh, putting in an arguably man of the match performance. How did you feel going into the game, and was it just as special for you? Yeah, it was special. Um, obviously, we played uh, them. Was it two weeks earlier or a week earlier when we played at Sanford Bridge? Uh, we lost one nil. Uh, they were really buzzing and they were having it, and we were rather calm about the result because we were thinking, okay, a one nil. Mm-hmm. We can take the back to Anfield because yeah. we know, with the likes of your support, that Anfield nights, European nights, they are something different. They're special, and you got the feeling that anything is possible. So, a one-nil, that is definitely possible. Um, then uh, going into the game, uh, I remember that um, also one of the examples of Rafa looking into details. We practiced that uh, free kick that uh, that gave us the the one-nil. Yeah. We practiced that many times in training. Right. So when the ball was there on the side of the um, of the 16-yard box, um, I believe I was next to the ball together yeah. with Stevie G. Mm-hmm. And um, we practiced exactly what we were going to do with uh, Aga making the run from behind. Um, to actually score that goal, you could see the... You could see, I mean, you could see it in your face. You were buzzing. Yeah, I was just like, you know, this is what we've done it for. You know, it's like um, you could score a goal because you score a goal and be happy. But this is because we worked on it. It it gives you an extra kind of uh, satisfaction. Um, And and we believe that we could go all the way. Yeah, of course. And then holding on to the result, um, uh, you could say they helped helped, uh, the result as well because I, I believe we had a very good one. Uh, and I had friends and family over for the game. Um, and and sometimes you do you do watch the images back because I remember my my best mate was there and he 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 um, he recorded stuff on his phone and the you know the explosion of of the goal, but later on the explosion of actually uh, winning the, the the penalty shootout. Um, even talking about it is just goosebumps. Yeah, just literally goosebumps. Uh, it's something that you'll never forget. So get back to the game. Um, so it's one nil after extra time, and we're going into penalties. Even then, we were rather confident. Why? Is because I played at Barca before with Pepperena, mm. and who I still talk to, to be honest. Again. Um, and we knew he was a penalty killer. So we're thinking, listen, this is going to happen. We're, yeah. we're in it. So we still had to do the job, but at the same time, we're still confident. Um, now, I always said that um, Rafa came up to me and said, listen, you want to take a penalty? And I said, yeah, sure, because I knew I wanted to take a penalty. But somewhere in my mind, I, I don't know why, but I had the idea of taking the third one. Right. So, before me saying, yeah, 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 I'll take a penalty. Before me saying, I'll take the third. And he said, okay, you'll take the first one. <laughs> I think, okay, yeah, sure. <laughs> and then really quickly, I said, what does it matter? The third, the fourth, or the first? You still have to score your goal. So straight away, I, I changed my... I never got that... Um, that little bit of doubt get into my mind. I was just going to score that uh, first goal because Rafa said afterwards, we need to get off to a good start. You know, you can't start with missing a penalty because that will... So, in a way, that also gave you the confidence uh, to be choosing, uh, to be chosen as, as the first one to take it. Um, 
Then I um, obviously scored that goal. Uh, we had uh, Peperena stopping uh, one or two, and then Dirk uh, uh, took the last one. But obviously, the, the biggest um, 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 hero, if you want to call it, is obviously Peperena uh, stopping the the, um, the the penalties, and then um, running over all the way to. Um, to the other side because uh, the cop was on the other side, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was but, uh, it was it was great. It was just something. <clears throat> funny enough, maybe even the semis, because you don't win the final. Maybe the semis were even more emotional than the final itself. Yeah. yeah. Because I can tell you, a final you play to win. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Bolo, did you, did you practice the penalties in training at all in yeah, 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 run-ups yeah. to the Chelsea game? Yeah, 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 we did, we did. Of course, it's rougher. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. ridiculous. <laughs> I say, I mean, I don't know how, I was, um, I was at the Anfield Road end, so obviously I was behind the goal that like the penalties were being taken, and someone had shouted, Rafa's sitting down, and like, yeah. I thought, why the frig is he sitting down? I mean, that is just, that's Rafa all over, isn't it, really? Just yeah. <laughs> Sat on his bum watching the penalties. Just yeah, he, he seemed calm. <laughs> he wasn't, was he not? <laughs> 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 um, so, obviously, you, you touched on it before, Ball, about uh, getting to the Champions League final and you, you got yourself injured, your ankle was fine, you were ready to start that game. And how did that feel walking out um, in a European Cup final, starting the game? Must have felt amazing. Um, yeah. Uh... Let's put it this way, it gives you goosebumps mm. and at the same time, um, maybe a, 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 like an, uh, all sorts of emotions come up because you say to yourself, listen, um, this is what you, you've done everything for. You, know, you, you take yourselves mm. back to the hours and hours that you've been training by yourself while being injured, uh, the hours of working on my ankle to make sure that... Uh, in four days' time, I could make the game. Um, it's just what you live for, is, is playing these finals. Um, and, of course, some, some players can say that they've played five finals and won four of them or uh, whatever more. But let's be honest, to be able to play a Champions League final is not for a lot of players. Um, and also Liverpool doing it twice in... In three years, yeah, uh, something special as well. Um, so yeah, that that's that's when you're there on the lineup. You're thinking, listen, this is this is the chance. This is when you have to um, in, when you have to do it. And also, what I just said before, um, you play a final to win it because you know if you don't win it, it's it, it's a strange feeling where. Somewhere down the line, you're still proud that you've made and played the Champions League final. But at the same time, it's worthless. Yeah. Because the only thing that mattered was actually winning it. Yeah, of course. What, what was your feelings going into it, Well, Obviously, we touched on the 2005, where I think most Liverpool fans would agree that we, that our team wasn't as good at, at that stage. Whereas when, when you go into the final that you were a part of, I feel like most Liverpool fans were quite optimistic going into it, thinking we, we have probably got a quite similar team in terms of quality and yeah. this might be a, pose a better opportunity for, for us to win another one, like you said, the two yeah. and three years, that would have been great for us. Did you think that it, we were as good as them? Obviously on the night it was a, it was yeah. a bit tricky because they, they got, I think, a goal was from a pale of free kick and flicked off in Zaggy and went in. And it was just... I'm calling this, it was on ball, I'm telling you. <laughs> Handball. <laughs> I'm sure it wasn't handball, but what it was is that uh, Pilot took the free kick, yeah, and um, Inzaghi ran towards the goal without having an eye on the ball itself, but yeah. he just wanted to go for the rebound. Yeah, um, I haven't seen the image back to see if it was maybe offside or not nowadays. I don't know with the, the VAR and whatever you want to call it. Yeah. But I did know that he had no clue that the ball touched his back and it deviated and yeah. obviously went to the other side. And I, I still have a horrible sight of, of him running towards the corner, celebrating as if he's, he's meant it. Um, and then we were chasing the game. Um, you were asking... 
did we have a better team back then than in 2005? Uh, I think the, the, maybe the real problem was playing AC Milan again, mm. because this time they were, they were much more worried. They were, yeah. they were aware of the danger. They knew uh, being 3-0 up and still losing it, that they were not going to ha- make that happen again. Yeah. So when they scored that first goal, um, Italians being Italians, we knew it's going to be harder and harder to get a result. Then, to be honest, Inzaghi did score a very good second goal. Um, to be fair, he, that was a proper, proper good finish. Um, obviously, because we were chasing the game as well. Uh, and then we got one back. And then you think, hey, this is still possible. You know, 2-1. Uh, we're not going to give it away lightly, is it? As, as Liverpool does, you never give up. And you keep going. Because you know anything is possible. But at the same time, Milan knew from two years previous that they had to do a lot yeah. to make sure that it's not going to happen. So they're basically uh, closer ranks. And um, they did everything they could to, to keep that result. And in the end, they did. Um, so, so in a way, for them to get the lucky 1-0 advantage early on into the game, it suited them better than if it was the other way around. But yeah. that's, that, that's football. And also in Athens, I believe that, um, of course, it's a Champions League final and it's special. And as I said, for one, if you don't win it, it doesn't have as much value. Um, don't think of it as much either yeah. uh, than if you would have won it. But also um, the stadium, the setup again, it had a running track around it. Uh, you guys, the fans, were really far away from the pitch. I think they should have chosen a different uh, stadium for, uh, for a Champions League final. I think you should never play with a running track anyway. No, I, yeah, it was. It's, not, it's, it's nothing for nowadays. No, it's true. It, it, like I said, it doesn't doesn't suit well, does it? But like you talk about the mentality of it there, and looking back fondly on a on a Champions League final. I mean, we obviously quite recently had uh, the, the loss in 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 Kiev, and with the the, the, the squad that we have now, where uh, they've had that setback in Kiev, where Henderson and Milner and Van Dijk, they've all got to walk past the trophy, and then they come back twelve months later, and then we win number six, and we had a fantastic night in Madrid. I think that's the the type of Situation where if you don't win, you just it gives you the hunger to go and get it again, doesn't it? And that's what this Jurgen Klopp side have done, haven't they? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've 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 done an amazing job. Also, to uh, I wasn't going to say replicate, but to to go all the way again. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong; it is very hard to do it again, but um, it's also very hard because um, if you get somewhere. It's easy to say uh, maybe you lose the hunger or you've been there or, or whatever more. It's just you could also say, listen, I've been there. I know what it's like and I want to be there again. You know, it's just the way, how do you look at stuff? Um, and um, to do it again and to win it, it uh, and the way you, they've won it as well, um, it says a lot, and afterwards, if you see the celebrations again in, in in the town in Liverpool, it's just well, it's hard to it's hard to explain, but um, just as much as you guys celebrate any kind of trophy mm. and that feeling that you get from it, that that's similar for a player. You know, you, you work hard to get somewhere, and if you do, uh, and it pays off, and you can celebrate it with your with your fans, that's that's something. Um, that is so warming. You can't you can't really explain what it's like. You know, being on yeah. the on the open bus tour through the town and you see the crowd coming out. It's just um, it's something amazing. Yeah? Just got to quickly touch on the Liverpool and Barcelona game at Anfield. Um, how was you feeling? Was you slap bang in the middle of because obviously you play for both both teams? I was just blown away by the fact we won four nil. Yeah, that's a good one. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the first one was 3 0, was it? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, but Messi just blown us away with that free kick and then. Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking exactly what it was like because 
in general, because I also work as a pundit on TV, I do uh, some Champions League games, and many times it's it's uh, Barcelona or Chelsea or Liverpool because I, I've been to a few places. <laughs> uh, uh, I remember, you know, when the first leg is three nil, you always think, oh no, that second leg it's not going to be nice to watch, you know, because, and then you're thinking, yeah. But it's still Anfield, and everybody say, "Yeah, well, of course." But yeah, it's Barca. You know, I'm thinking, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah, you're right." So, in a way, you don't expect too much, mm. but you could see something happen when, for example, the way you get out of the starting blocks, or if you do get that first or second goal, then all of a sudden, it the whole um, possibility is getting bigger. So when it happened, of course, I, I, I of course I cheered. I yeah. went mental, like everybody did. I saw a few of the other pundits, the, the UK pundits, going mad as well uh, yeah. behind the behind the scenes. Um, and 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 that's the other beautiful beautiful part, I think, is that you don't need to be a Liverpool fan or a Barca fan, but in general, if you like football. And you see these things happen. You can't be not happy, or you can't be not um, um, enjoying that because it's it's mm-hmm. something you don't see every day. Yeah, of course. You know your squad number for Liverpool is number thirty-two. Yes. Was there a reason why it was that number? Uh, I like the yeah. I like the number. Cool. Um, That's all. Because... And you changed to thirty, didn't you? You changed to thirty in the beginning. Yeah, yeah. I started off at thirty, but yeah. because that was a number that was available or something. Yeah, I, I always enjoyed the, the bigger numbers, and then um, I had my eyes on thirty-two. Oh, yeah. I played with Barca on with twenty-three, hmm. so then I, I had just flipped them over. Yeah, um, we, we, no, I always enjoyed the thirty-two. We've got um, on our YouTube channel one of the, the shows we do is called the Squad Number Show, where we look yeah. back at Liverpool players worn every number. Yeah. So. Just a, it's a, just a question I wanted to ask you, mate. So yeah, yeah. It. No, yeah, I love the 32. I love the number. Um, but every time you join a team, yeah. um, I always looked at the numbers available. Uh, what I mean with it is I would never go to a team and just say, listen, I want this or that. Because I think if you do have a player who's got his number, then you should always respect. Yeah. The player, oh. and I, I remember um, at at Barca I played with 23, and one day Iwan de la Peña, who looks a bit like you anyway, <laughs> he he came he came back to Barca, and um, the the team manager came up to me and said, "Listen, Iwan de la Peña played during his previous career at Barcelona with 23. Um, would you like considering or giving back the number?" I said, "Well." I've already played now two years with a 23, so yeah. I just keep it, and that was that was fine. But I've seen it in different clubs where uh, a player comes in and he said, "I want the 11 or the seven or whatever," and someone gets gets uh, it's not nice. No, it should be. It's basically just going back to obviously you touched on before, Bolo, like playing with the likes of Figo and Cliver and all those type of players, but signing for obviously Barcelona in 1998 and going on to win. The La Liga. How much of a step up was it for you at that time? Yeah, well, I, I was still only 21 when I signed for Barca. I signed for them just before the World Cup. Uh, a lot of the players that already played at Barca, I'm obviously f- confronted or faced during the World Cup and the likes of Brazil uh, with uh, with Rivaldo um, when we played the semis. But um, yeah, once again, it's the same. You, you get into a dressing room and you're thinking, okay. You, you're one of the lads. That's uh, that's how it goes, and you're there for a reason. Um, I've made a mark with the national team. I made a mark with PSV. Uh, logically, you're making the next step, but I made um, I made a decision where I had interests of Inter Milan and Barca at the same time. That were the two main ones that I, that I needed to make a choice uh, with. And um, you just look at football-wise, and I, I thought back then Barca was the best possible suited kind of football for me, but also 
um, because you're only 21. I think that um, I also looked at where could I develop myself best and most, and um, that's when um, I choose uh, for Barca. Okay, also, I was just going to then take you on to, obviously, three years later, you, you then get signed by Chelsea and Claudio Branieri, along with the likes of Emmanuel Petit and Lampard and William Gallas and play, yeah, players like that. Um, how did you rate that, that, that type of Chelsea squad at that time? Um, I think uh, it, it had a really good squad. Uh, as you mentioned, a lot of um, big players. Yeah. Uh, players that also played uh, at the World Cup, like you said, Emmanuel Petit, yeah, Desailly. Um, you had um, uh, Chapi Ferrer, the ex-Barca uh, player, um, up front. Uh, Jimmy Floyd and yeah. uh, Gianfranco Zola. Uh, they had uh, Mario Stanic, who played for uh, Croatia, also in the World Cup. The, so they had a very good team. So I, I really had the idea and the possibility and the thought that they could uh, go places. But maybe with the team, let's say maybe with the players we've had back then, um, maybe uh, we should have done uh, better. I'm not sure. Um, the funny thing was that when I came from Spain to England, they always said, oh, in England, they don't train. They, they only play games and uh, they don't do much in training. I was like, okay, let's, let's, let's see this. It's a new experience. <laughs> and I never ran as much in my life, in my career. I'm thinking, what's going on here? But they had, obviously, uh, Claudio uh, Ranieri, uh, an Italian manager, who, um, who was really also into uh, the physical part of, um, of the game. <laughs> so I suppose we well with the, the, the Chelsea side is it was like the, the building blocks, wasn't it, to the eventual radio title winning side. So um, you definitely played your part in that. Well, I'm not sure because um, we were we were okay. Uh, we still managed to play an FA Cup final, which we lost to Arsenal. Uh, as you said, you never want to play a final and not win it. Uh, so I'm not going to talk too much about that one again. <laughs> um, no, the, the, the thing is... Um, uh the, the real the real change obviously came when Abramovich came in at Chelsea and um uh then uh, they really um in in all terms in all levels they made a difference if you want to say um uh, of course with the finance um the training facilities they changed um the um uh, stadium uh, changed uh, um, the um, the um, the merchandise, the the you know the own, the the own TV channels. Everything got to uh, lifted to uh, to a totally other level. And um, yeah, of course, after that, they um, they did win uh, they win the league a few times and other trophies. Yeah. yeah. So I don't want to put you on the spot, Bolo, but if you had to pick the the best manager you worked under obviously you worked under Rafa Benitez Ranieri Louis Van Hal Frank Rijkaard if you had to pick your number one manager if if you if you were playing on a team now and you had to pick your ultimate manager you wanted to work under who would you pick I think it's really hard to choose because I think they all have something in them that was really good and positive and um, I guess they all have something that maybe I would do differently. Um, yeah. I've learned from all of them in a positive way and maybe in a negative way. Um, this is all stuff that you put in your luggage that you take with you. Um, uh, it's hard to choose, but um, for example, a type uh, like uh, Frank Reichardt, I had a very good relationship with him as well during the Euros uh, 2000. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I, I just can't really choose because, as I said, even Van Gaal or Advocat, Rafa, yeah, I think all of them, that, that's the other thing is that because you've played at the highest level, you've always met up with high-profile managers and they're not there for, for no reason, is it? Obviously, Paul, you touched on Euro 2000. Uh, it was... Quite a special one for yourself, obviously, the way that Holland went out of it and the way they did, obviously, to, to, to Italy. Um, 
was you obviously you would be disappointed the way the way the way it panned out. But did you think that at that stage of getting to the semi-final, you could you had the, t- the quality in the team to go all the way? So yeah, I think uh, I think in '98 we were we had a team to go all the way and win the World Cup, yeah. but uh, we didn't win against Brazil on penalties, where you in the end you never know what happens if you play a final. Then we would have played France in Paris. Um, then two years after, we played friends in the group stages. Uh, we beat them 3-2. I scored the third one. Um, then we got to the semis, but also that, I think in 2000, we had this sort of similar team as in 98. Um, still the belief that we could go all the way and win it, especially being it in the Netherlands. Yeah. Um, and then when you lose in the semis uh, on penalties, where even during the game you miss two penalties. It was, um, it was frustrating, but maybe in a way we were still happy not to play third and fourth place because if you're in it to win it, then you definitely don't want to play a third and fourth spot. Um, but yeah, uh, we, we had a good tournament. Uh, another story that goes with it. We, we um, in training, uh, towards the the first game I played left back I believe the second game uh, we played uh, we faced Denmark and um, the game uh, build up to the game we trained and uh, uh, Overmars was training or as a right wing and I was on the left and um, we had a problem where he didn't really want to play on that position so the manager came up to me right and said listen do you mind playing on the right I said listen uh, I do anything for the team if that's yeah. what's needed so we we started the game and I played on the right side and I had a horrible first half. I couldn't really get past my defender. And then um, the second half, I saw Ronald De Boer warming up and he was going to enter the game as a right winger. And I'm thinking, okay, I've put myself on the line here and this is it. I'm off. And then um, when the uh, the substitute board came on, um, uh, Rijkaard actually took Overmars off and put me on the left and put Ronald De Boer on the right. And then um, I gave an assist and scored a goal. And that really kicked off my tournament because the rest of the tournament I played as a left winger. And I did a, I had a very good tournament. I played well. Yeah. But that, that, that's one of the other examples when I talk about Rijkaard. Um, just want to take you back to, obviously, you've, you've worked under Rafa um, for, for, Ch- for Chelsea back in um, 2012. Is that something you've got aspirations to try and get back into or how, how did that come about it was that just a call from Rafa one day out of the blue or how did you I mean, get um, when I when I played at Liverpool we we were uh, I guess five players that started the um, the managerial coach uh, 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 coaching you know we tried to see if we could go for the badges but um, we were too busy <laughs> uh, yeah seriously we had too many games so yeah. I think after two or three sessions, uh, we all sort of stopped with it. But Rafa always came up to me and, and, and stood next to me in training, for example. And he said, and he asked me things like, what do you see? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, what do you mean? And he says, you know, how do you look at stuff? And he always asked me, even back then, if I considered being a manager. And I said, I don't know. I said, well, I think it suits you. And so we had a bit of a chat about it back then. But while you're playing, you're obviously focusing on playing. And um, when, I, uh, when I finished at Sunderland, um, I still thought maybe I could play somewhere for another year uh, just to um, finish off properly uh, with, a, with, um, with a good idea of, um, of ending my career. Um, but things came along but didn't suit me. Yeah. Uh, things like China or whatever. And I just, my, my elders now... It was only two months. I'm thinking, why would I go to China? Yeah. Two months old or on my own. Why would I go there on my own? And then um, Rafa called me up and said, listen, um, do you want to be assistant? My assistant, one of my assistants. Uh, I'm thinking, uh, depends where, because I'm not going to go anywhere. Um, and then he said, well, it's, gonna, it's a top four site in... Um, in the Premier League. So that's obviously when a, uh, um, 
Um, for me, it got a bit clear where I, I believe at the time it was Mancini was at Manchester City and he was under, under a lot of pressure and Di Matteo was under pressure at Chelsea. Yeah. And then I guess two years, two, two days after, um, uh, Di, Di Matteo got relieved of his duties and he rang me up to say I had to be in London the next day. So how, this, how, this, this is how quick it all went down. Wow. And then, and then basically by deciding to join him, that also sort of was the end of my playing career then. For me, it was it it was perfect because obviously we've got we we love Rafa Benitez obviously and for to have a look at him with Chelsea and then to see you by his side as well I just thought like looking back for the working relationship you guys had at Liverpool I thought it was the perfect thing and then to win the Europa League was as a, on a management team is is brilliant. Well, um, you all know that um, Rafa had a very tough spell going to Chelsea because there was. Um, the press always out to look at the negatives. Yeah. And if 10% is, is not happy with his arrival, then they'll focus on the 10%. So it wasn't like everybody was, but that's the whole idea of, of putting a certain um, pressure or, uh, uh, I'd say, um, to create a certain situation, yeah. uh, which wasn't nice. Um, but Chelsea were weren't in the best position. Uh, that's why they had to. That's why they changed manager. Um, and then, of course, uh, I remember while being there, um, we still managed to go to the um, uh, all the way in the tournaments. So funny enough, which what I didn't do with Liverpool as a player, I went with um, Chelsea as an assistant manager to Japan to play the World Cup. Yeah. Uh, so it's it, it for me still it was something strange to say. Listen, as a player, I never made it because of my cruciate, mm. and then I I still got to get there and yeah. experience it in a different way. <laughs> yeah. In a different way. Um, and once again, we lost the final one nil. So you you don't want to um, uh, think about it too long, but at least it was another experience. Um, <clears throat> and um, we still managed to f finish third in the league. Yeah. and play semi-finals in the FA Cup against uh, Manchester City. And uh, we played that final in Amsterdam. In Amsterdam, you know, where they have a smoke and a pancake. <laughs> <laughs> Austin Powers is far. Well, 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 down the bottom bit. Um, funny enough, the FA had a big problem because if we would have won the semis against City, yeah. we would have had to play four games in the last week of the season Jeez. because we had the Champions League, uh, the Europa League final, the FA Cup final, um, and the two league games because we still had to uh, play one from the fact that we um, missed out because of the FA Cup. Yeah. Uh, quarters and semis and um, playing in um, in Japan so they were happy that we lost that um, um, uh, semi-final and uh, yeah so down the bottom bit I think he did a really good job uh, considering the circumstances um, at Chelsea In terms of how it means what it, what it means to you as a player does that relate to what it was like as a as a as a coach, like that those type of feelings getting to like achievements of coming third in the league and winning the Europa League, does that does that still carry as much weight as a coach for you as it did as a player? Um, let's put it this way: the best thing is to play football. Yeah, that's uh, what I thought a, you'd say. Be, being a coach <laughs> is nice, but never as yeah. nice as being a player, and you totally go buy it in a different way um nothing better than being in a in the tunnel um hearing the the champions league anthem or or getting out and and hear the roar of the fans yeah. if you know that's when it starts whereas maybe as a manager it feels like okay that's it now they have to do the job i mean 
as soon as you're um, as soon as the boys are on the pitch it, it doesn't end there um, but obviously it feels like you don't have as much influence as if you were a player which is obvious if you could pick your ultimate five-a-side team with, with players that you've played with who would you pick obviously so you've got you can pick yourself if you want obviously you can put yourself in there can I choose fi- can I choose 50 you said I <laughs> know <laughs> that's what I thought it'd be best to ask you because you look at the, the list of players that you play with um, so. it's 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 um, it's obvious to say that it's too hard to choose but um, um, sometimes I make it easy for myself to say listen I'll do it but I'll just choose the Dutch players <laughs> um, no it's 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 really I know where to start. Uh, I guess I guess I'll start with the goalkeeper Edwin Van der Sar. Um, uh, as a striker, I would pick uh, Ronaldo, the Brazilian uh, Ronaldo. So that's two, and I only got three left. So how can you choose three? That they always say if you play five a side, the one who's got the best defense wins. But I don't like to defend. As in, <laughs> I prefer to score. You know, um, Johan Cruyff's philosophy, as long as you score one goal more than your position, you yeah, win it. Yeah. Which yeah. Liverpool does as well at many times, <laughs> score goals. Um, then, if I have to go up front, um, I would, um, oh, as a defender, I would take Yapstan any day. Sure. Um, I'm sure that he'll, um, he'll make sure... Not even a, a, a mouse would pass. Um, <laughs> so then I only have two picks left. Um, oh, this is too hard, guys. What are you doing to me? <laughs> Maybe I would choose Philip Cuckoo. Yeah. Because he could play in any position. Um, he's a tactical... Um, mastermind reading the game and uh, fill any gap score a goal a link yeah. up you've got the likes of Figo you've got Rivaldo yeah yeah got, Figo got, Rivaldo got there's too many Xavi Xavi <laughs> where do you start um, just pick yourself Bolo there you go there's the five pick yourself Bolo <laughs> okay I, I, I'm always in for five or five five a side yeah no go. worries <laughs> just because I can't choose <laughs> absolutely <laughs> um, well listen Bolo we really really appreciate uh, your time uh, and you know much love to you and the family and keep safe stay safe you too. Um, hopefully we'll get you back on in a, in a couple months time yeah once, sure once, once Liverpool are Premier League champions you want to come back on uh, <laughs> is that not tomorrow already then <laughs> I hope so <laughs> <We> wish <laughs> I hope so. And then, and then when you do come on, I say, you're right, lads. You've done it again, lads. I could talk all day to you. We really could. I guess so. Especially now, having nothing else to do. Well, this is it. This is it. <laughs> well, well, thank you so much, mate. And we'll stay okay, in Yeah, and we appreciate everything. All right. Okay. Thank you so much, Cheers, mate. Bye, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Podcast Network.